Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. I'm Amy Rojic, Director of our Center for Governance, and have the pleasure of sitting down with Aaron Dwyer, Deputy Director and Stakeholder Liaison in the PCOB Office of External Affairs. The PCOB has regulatory oversight responsibility of public company auditors and itself is overseen by the SEC. Aaron is the Deputy Director and serves as the Stakeholder Liaison to Investors, Audit Committees, and Preparers. And in this role, she has an ongoing dialogue with key stakeholders of the PCOB, assisting the board in achieving the transparency and outreach goals outlined in its strategic plan. And prior to joining the PCOB in 2019, Aaron served as Managing Director of Stakeholder Engagement and Communications at the Center for Audit Quality where she led strategic initiatives to build and strengthen relationships with key capital market participants and governance leaders. She began her career as a side analyst on Prudential Financial's equity research team. And since then, she's spent over two decades developing holistic outreach and communication strategies and identifying partnership and business development opportunities for investment, corporate, government, and legal clients. So Aaron, I am so happy to have you here and I want to welcome you to the program. But first, I wanted to give you a second to maybe disclaim any anything that you're <laughs> going to say with me today. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Amy. Um, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And indeed, before we get started, um, I do just need to give my standard disclaimer, which is any views expressed here today are my own and they do not necessarily reflect the views of the PCAOB board, any board member or PCAOB staff. All right. Well, with that out of the way, what we plan to discuss today is really the significant focus that the PCOB has been putting into outreach to board of directors, particularly audit committees and the investor community, to gather insights and perspectives from these key financial reporting stakeholders regarding audit quality within capital markets. So with that, I'm going to launch kind of right into some, some questions I have for you today. So maybe you can share briefly the mission of the Office of External Affairs and how your role fits into this. Sure. Thanks, Amy. So the Office of External Affairs, or OEA, as we're called at the PCAOB, has a broad portfolio, but at a high level, the three key things we're really responsible for are communications, government relations, and outreach efforts. So in doing those three activities, we work very closely with all of the PCAOB's offices and divisions. And that encompasses everything from working with our chief auditor and her team on how we communicate around standard setting and other activities, to working closely with our inspections teams on a number of issues, and then also um, working internally with our colleagues at the PCAOB on making sure we're communicating to our staff and organization what our key priorities are. And, and like many organizations during this COVID time, making sure we're really all staying connected and up to date on what the organization is doing. Um, my role was new uh, as of last year. 
this board has a very strong focus and has prioritized through our strategic plan outreach. Um, so I came on board at as I said, the middle of last year to lead the efforts around that outreach. Um, and when we talk about external stakeholders, we're really in my position thinking of three groups, as you mentioned, audit committees, investors, and preparers. And what our goal is uh, through that outreach is to really make sure we're communicating with and getting feedback from those groups directly. No, that's excellent. And, and I know that you and I have uh, had the opportunity to share the stage a few times on hot topic panels, really discussions bridging the audit profession with those charged with governance and oversight for financial reporting. So maybe we start with audit committees. And since you started at the PCOB, you've held several roundtables around a variety of key topics. So maybe you can share with us what those topics were and perhaps some of the most interesting takeaways you came away with. Sure. So as I mentioned, my role is new and historically the PCAOB hadn't done much proactive outreach um, with audit committees. So this was a little new for our organization and we really wanted to find a way to allow audit committees to provide us with direct and honest feedback, but also have our board members share with them um, what our priorities were. So last year in the second half of the year after I came on board, we held three roundtables with audit committee chairs or members, about 15 to 20 each, two in Chicago and one in New York. And the topics were really wide ranging, um, everything from high level audit committee perspectives on the state of audit quality to how their audit committees are assessing audit quality. Um, and then we're, of course, always interested in hearing from them about how they think the PCAOB can promote audit quality, but also help them fulfill their oversight role. We also had some high-level discussions around the use of emerging technologies in the audit, but then we got more granular on some specific standards um, and activities, including critical audit matters, our quality control project, as well as the impact of new accounting standards. Um, but the topic that comes up the most often, I think, at these roundtables and just when we talk to audit committees generally is our inspections process, but specifically our inspections reports. Um, audit committee members, as you likely know, Amy, have strong views on our report, both the content and their timeliness. We've tried to address some of the feedback we've received on the content um, in a new, new inspection report format that we began using in June of this year when we released the inspections reports for the six largest US firms. Uh, I encourage your listeners to take a look at those if they haven't already. But we've streamlined the information in those reports and tried to make it less technical, including adding some information not previously communicated in those reports. And there's three that I would just sort of flag. The first is a classification system for audits with deficiencies presented in Part 1A. And then we also, for annually inspected firms, now provide the inspections data for the previous three inspections years. And lastly, we've added a new section, Part 1B, that discusses certain instances of non-compliance with PCAOB standards and rules. Um, as I said, I encourage your listeners to take a look. We view this as an iterative process and welcome any feedback that, that 
listeners may have as we hope to continue to improve this and provide useful information to stakeholders and, and audit committees particularly. And then just lastly, as it relates to the timeliness of the reports, um, that's a significant area of focus for this board. Um, as our chairman has shared with audit committee, chairs and members, we acknowledge this need to issue our reports in a more timely manner. Um, now that we've worked through the new inspections report format, we anticipate that we will issue reports uh, in a more timely manner going forward, um, but we're really just going to keep working to make sure that they come out as soon as possible and that we're providing uh, stakeholders with useful information. Sure, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think kind of the next area, maybe it's a good kind of segue, because I know you had just done, I believe it was maybe earlier this month, um, a program specifically on the new inspection reports and explaining that to audit committees. So, you know, as part of your regular connection with audit committee chairs through the inspections program, maybe you can share a little bit about how that works specifically and, and why you're speaking with the audit committees during the inspection process. Yeah, definitely. That is one of the other ways, in addition to the roundtables we talked about, um, that we're really expanding our outreach to audit committees. And I think the why is, uh, as our chairman likes to say, um, we view an engaged and informed audit committee as a force multiplier in promoting audit quality. So really any opportunity we, we have to engage with them, we want to take. And the inspections process is, of course, just an obvious time when we're interacting uh, with the audit firms and therefore um, we thought a good time to connect with audit committee chairs. The PCAOB has always done this. Um, however, historically, they've reached out to about 10 or 20% of the audit committee chairs of US issuers whose audits we were inspecting. But in 2019, we decided to reach out to almost 100% of the audit committee chairs um, of U.S. issuers whose audits we are inspecting. So just on a pure numbers basis, that means we've gone from historically looking at or speaking with, I should say, about 80 audit committee chairs per inspections um, cycle to last year close to 400. So it was a significant increase um, in, in the number of audit committee chairs we spoke to. We're doing the same in 20. 2020, where we're reaching out to about 100% of audit committee chairs. The calls are led by the inspections teams who are doing the inspection of that particular issue or audit, but we view these calls as a really important part of our outreach efforts as well. So I join as many as possible of, of the 400, obviously schedule permitting. Um, and the reaction we've received from these calls has been really extremely positive. Um, in addition to us getting to learn what is top of mind for audit committee chairs, they've shared with us how much they've appreciated getting to have a little bit of a window into what the PCAOB is doing and how we're thinking. And, and I think just to wrap up on those calls, one of my favorite things that an audit com committee chair has said at the end of one of those calls was that he had always viewed the PCAOB as a little bit like the Wizard of Oz, where we were this mysterious creature behind the curtain. But he said that the call made him feel like we'd stepped out from behind the curtain to introduce ourselves. And I just love that analogy because I think it's pretty accurate and consistent with what we've heard in terms of how audit committee chairs have viewed the PCAOB. So we really are excited to get out from behind the curtain um, and start interacting face-to-face -face with, with more of them. Now, I, I can certainly see that. And I think, you know, in, in talking to, you know, um, with my auditor's hat, 
on, you know, talking to audit committees and trying to truly explain what the inspection process is like on the audit side. I think it's really helpful that they're having those direct dialogues with, with you guys because I think it really helps shape their understanding a bit better. They understand more deeply what the PCOB is engaged in and looking at and why those are such critical elements as part of the audit process in general. So I think it's a positive I think it's a positive takeaway from that. And maybe how have these dialogues, I guess, with audit committee members and chairs perhaps shaped some of the activities that you guys are focused on? I know you've done a lot recently with timely spotlights in various areas, particularly on the inspection process, and then in seeking further engagement and perhaps enhanced communications to the audit firms as well. Yeah, so we take all of the feedback we get on those calls. Um, it, we actually have a note taker who sits in on each call so that we make sure we capture the feedback accurately. And then I obviously take notes as well when I'm on the calls. And, and we use it to inform a number of things, anything from the external communications like the spotlights that you mentioned to if I hear a theme or a topic come up over and over again, you know, I take it straight to the board members and the chairman's office and let them know, hey, this is coming up, you know, this is something we might, might want to think about. But um, one of the things, you know, that was a direct result from the calls and the conversations was, of course, at the end of last year, we reported out on them because we thought it was important not only to share what we were hearing, um, but for those audit committee chairs that weren't participating in calls or hadn't participated in a call to know sort of what we as the PCAOB were thinking and asking about. Um, something we heard a lot on the calls was that audit committee chairs really did welcome and, and desire the opportunity to interact more frequently with us and they were looking for educational opportunities. So um, we touched on briefly this webinar that we had in July of, of this year, which is the first ever PCAOB audit committee webinar. And really that was a direct result of the conversations and the, the requests we had on those calls for more education. Um, and then this year in particular, I think it's been really interesting because we started these calls right when the COVID-19 pandemic was starting in the United States states and so we've had the opportunity to speak with audit committee chairs this year specifically about what they've been thinking about as it relates to COVID-19 and the audit and we're looking forward to sharing some um, uh, key themes and things we've heard in those discussions um, coming up here pretty shortly as, as one of our goals is to provide timely information and obviously we want to get um, those thoughts out as soon as possible and and share with other audit committee chairs what their peers have been thinking about related to COVID-19 in the audit. Sure, and I guess a quick follow-up to that. So you mentioned the webcast from early July with audit committees. Is that going to be made available or is it already available as an archive for folks that may have missed that? It is. It is available on our website as a replay. So I don't know if you have a resources yeah, section no, we'll, for the we'll podcast. Be, we'll be yes. sharing that out. We, okay, good. We'll be sharing that out. And then I guess this is a, another good segue. You mentioned the virtual environment that you know COVID-19 has brought to all of us um, with some urgency. So how are you guys continuing to conduct your outreach to your the three stakeholder groups that you're looking at in this yeah. environment? You know, it was for us, like everyone, a really quick transition. We were supposed to be, myself and some of our board members, on the West Coast at the end of March to meet with preparers and audit committee chairs and investors, and we had to cancel that trip. 
And, you know, like everyone, I think initially I was scrambling a little bit to sort of think about what this would look like. And, and even with one of the prepare roundtables, I expected that we would probably just go back out to the West Coast in, in June and have it. So I think this has lasted quite a bit longer than really any of us anticipated at the beginning of, of COVID-19. You know, it's tough. We've lost the informal touch points that I think you and I um, have always had as part of the governance community through in-person events. Um, so finding ways to replicate that, I think, is really important. Um, I'm not sure I've got the the magic bullet quite yet, but we've been having um, a lot of, you know, video calls, which is new, and just making a point of touching base with um, investors, audit committee chairs, and preparers, even informally, just to check in and, and you know, see if there's any questions or how things are going. And, and as I said, this webinar was our first um, ever PCAOB audit committee webinar. And I think we're all um, sort of struggling through the technological aspects of that to some extent. But we um, hope to be doing more of those certainly um, as we continue to operate in this virtual environment. No, I, I agree with that. I think the transition that, that it's come to in terms of using virtual platforms and video and, and other kind of applications to enable that, you know, contact, that eye contact, that, you know, body language, if you will, you can only see so much from the, the shoulders up, but, <laughs> um, yeah. but it is important. It's an important aspect, particularly when you're talking about very complex issues and other things. But I think that what I've noticed over the past, you know, five months is that you know, we've really, I think, stepped it up a level in terms of those engagements. And I know as a firm, we're kind of exploring a whole bunch of options to kind of keep those conversations rolling and not just be kind of a one-way directional conversation, but really drive engagement, whether it's breakout sessions within meetings or however we're, you know, able to break that down into smaller in-person conversations. So, I think that we'll we'll see a lot of that continuing to evolve. And my takeaway is that people have gotten very comfortable with kind of going to a video conferencing call or, or a situation where they know they have to be kind of fully on and engaged. And I think that's the expectation that, you know, leaders within any organization kind of establish at the outset. So I, I see it working very well in, in my kind of neck of the woods. But, um, you know, that's that's a. Uh, for others to decide, but maybe um, kind of shifting gears a little bit with respect to the investor community. So what are you hearing in your conversations with investors that may be top of mind for them related to audit quality and maybe what's been the most surprising things you've learned there? Yeah, so um, as you mentioned at the outset, I was a sell-side investor uh, for many years, and I can say that I don't really think audit has historically been top of mind for investors. Um, that said, I have seen a shift over the last few years where I think investors are definitely more interested in it, and many are really starting to focus, I think, on audit and accounting as a governance issue. Um, and then over the past several months, um, I've been hearing from investors specifically, I think about what you've kind of referred to as hot topics or headline news, which are some prominent news stories that have had to do with the audit and financial reporting and two of the 
the main ones were, of course, Wirecard, as well as the PCAOB's lack of access to inspect Chinese audits. Um, so investors get have a lot of questions when those types of stories are in the news. Um, and in both of those cases, of course, they're international stories or international audits. Um, and as you know, investors are generally investing across the globe these days. So helping them understand sort of what the international ecosystem looks like, but particularly how the PCAOB's international inspections and cooperation agreements work. Um, another thing that we've been proactively talking to investors about and seeking their views on is, of course, critical audit matters. We are in the process of doing an interim analysis on um, the new critical audit matters standard, and we've had a targeted investor survey to try to find out what their experiences have been with CAMS. Um, and probably most relevant and interesting, although maybe not surprising to your audience and listeners is, is that investors are very interested in what we see audit committees doing to perform their oversight roles. I get a lot of questions from investors um, as it relates to sort of what, what I see audit committees focusing on or thinking about. Um, and I think maybe... The most surprising thing could be that when I have, in my previous role, brought together audit committee chairs with investors, it was really how few audit committee members had ever had any experience directly engaging with investors. So while I think investors are very familiar with engaging with comp committees or nomgov committees, you know, audit committees have not been uh, a board committee that investors have spent much time with in the past. Um, I don't know if that's going to change here going forward, but I do certainly see investors having an increased focus right now on audit and accounting standards. And I think, you know, especially governance and stewardship teams, given their engagement with boards, it will be interesting to see sort of how they translate that focus into their engagement. No, I think that's a very interesting observation because I think it's one where when you think about the demand for transparency across the board and, you know, really understanding the various aspects of what, what risk management looks like within an organization, and clearly the audit committee has, plays a big role in that from a disclosure and financial reporting standpoint, I think I, you know, I, I, would, I would say that that's right, that, you know, I think it would behoove audit committees and others to really think about stakeholders broadly, um, you know, not just investors, but kind of looking at the, the bigger risk profile of, of the companies that they're serving. So I guess, you know, you, you mentioned critical audit matters and, and you know, how that's been, um, how that's been rolled out in the current year with kind of the, the full, full effect of the standard coming to, to effectiveness this year. So what's been, I guess, what's been your experience um, with receipt of that information by the investor community? And maybe how do you expect that to be evolving in the coming years as, you know, as auditors are gaining more experience with the addition of kind of the remaining filers coming fully up to speed on CAM in the current cycle? Yeah, so as you've mentioned, it's kind of early days for critical audit matters. Um, we haven't fully implemented the standard or that will be fully implemented by the end of this year. And as I mentioned, we are actively um, analyzing some interim feedback and getting some information from investors on, on how they're they're using it, not just through the survey that I mentioned, but we also have a public request for comment that closed earlier this year. Um, 
But I think more to come. But I think what we're hearing informally is that most investors right now are viewing it as a helpful starting point to inform possible conversations with companies around financial reporting or the audit. But they're not extremely focused on it quite yet. So my personal view is sort of that once investors have multiple years to compare, that it will probably be a more helpful data point for them. I think right now, since they've only sort of begun just seeing them recently, they're still trying to sort of decide how to use them and what to make of them. But like anything, once you have a basis of comparison, I think, you know, there'll be more use. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think that, to your point, as investors become a little more familiar with the construct of the new auditor's opinion, that will allow them to go back to and analyze probably a little bit more closely how management may be describing the similar types of, of risk areas or focus areas that the auditor has kind of landed on as, as critical to the audit. So just an understanding that the differences between those perspectives, whether it's the management perspective or the auditor, how that all works. So I, I would expect there to be a lot more questions from the investor community as they kind of put those pieces of information together. So what, so what about any other additional outreach activities that you're likely to see happen in 2021 and beyond? So I know as we, we ramp up and move forward and, you know, God willing, we emerge, you know, from this crazy environment we, we're living in today, but obviously things are going to change with respect to how the workforce is shaping out to be and how certain aspects of business are going to go going forward. So I'd be interested to, to know where the PCOV is, is hedging their bets or focusing their time and attention. Well, I'm not hedging any bets because <laughs> if I had had a crystal ball to, you know, predict 2020, um, I would have gotten it entirely wrong. So, you know, I think like everyone, we're kind of taking it one day at a time to see um, how things go. I, I think I read this morning that Google has uh, reportedly told their employees not to expect to be back in the office before July 2021. So I don't know what 2021 is going to look like from an outreach perspective, to be honest. I think we will continue, of course, to focus very much on the outreach with audit committees as well as investors and preparers. And I think as we do hopefully um, make our way out of this pandemic, we'll start seeing more of sort of hybrids of virtual, virtual and in-person events. It's a little hard to imagine us going back to several hundred people in a room anytime soon. So, you know, I think we're going to continue to focus on engaging with um, our stakeholders in a safe way and um, finding ways that are meaningful to them and to us so that we can get feedback um, and they can, you know, ask questions of the PCAOB. I think, um, you know, our, our standard setting agenda, as I mentioned, we've got our quality control project, um, you know, which we've received comments on. So we'll continue to work on that as well as critical audit matters. But I got to say, your guess is as good as mine of what 2021 looks like. And um, this is no longer a game that I enjoy playing on panels where they ask you to look at the crystal ball because it's just such an unknown. But I, but I think, 
um, you know, we'll continue to evolve and adapt and make sure that we're providing timely and, and hopefully useful information to our stakeholders. And, you know, I'm looking forward to continuing to get feedback on our inspections report so that we can uh, hopefully continue to improve the way we're providing information through those. But um, to be continued. Right. No, and I think just maybe perhaps to sum up quite simply, I think the, the thing that you can probably rest your hat on is that the need for robust and timely communication is going to continue. And I think that the organizations like yourself and others that are thoughtful in that approach and how you're conveying information, how you're gathering information and processing that to inform your activities, I think is going to be, you know, of paramount importance to everybody. And I know that that's how we're approaching it as a firm, whether internally or externally. So I think that's a constant that we can all, you know, pretty much hang our hat on is that communications are, are paramount and, and need to be treated as such. So I'm really happy you could join us today, Erin. And I really thank you for your time and your commentary and look forward to doing this again. So Thanks so much. Well. For, yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It was fun. All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash BDO Knows Governance.